0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Joining me today is Dr. Saliba. He is a psychiatrist. I'm excited to have him on because uh, I want to talk about uh, this this drug we 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 all have uh, that that oxytocin, which uh, you know creates that our ability to bond with other people, to feel like we belong, to build trust. And uh, I've just been reading some research on. How people who are low on oxytocin um, potentially have a, a higher risk of of suicide attempts. So we're going to talk about oxytocin and and the field that Dr. Saliba is in, and then but also what we can do to to boost our oxytocin. We, we, so we're going to leave you with some hope. Uh, I, I've done some reading on that. Don't I see Dr. Saliba already? Like oh, I did, I did, I didn't come with that. Don't worry about that. I, I got you. I got you. Uh, Dr. Saliba, welcome to the podcast. Please, please tell the people what your your field of, of study is and what you're interested in and all that stuff.
1: Okay, so um, I'm um, I'm a psychiatrist, like you said, and so I see uh, both adults and children and adolescents. Uh, most of my patients have depression and anxiety, and uh, some of them have uh, ADHD, and uh, I basically spend most of my time uh, talking to, to people and discussing their uh, depression. And um, I have a specific way of looking at things that other people maybe don't have, maybe other people have. But um, you know, the way I look at uh, mental health and depression is, uh, is a very global way of looking at it. It's a very holistic way of looking at it. And I, I really think that uh, if we look at depression and we look at depression only, um, we really are missing the point. What we need to be looking at is, is uh, health, health, not just mental health, but phys- physical health. And mental health is just part of that the whole uh, conundrum of, of issues we need to, to be addressing. So... Um, So what I tell people is, look, you know, understand you have depression. We can deal with that with medications. We can deal with that with different things. Uh, But there's six pillars that I base my uh, practice on, essentially. And and so um, those pillars are, to start with, you know, hygiene stuff, basic like sleep. You know, you have to have good sleep. You have to have uh, good diet. And you have to have um, exercise. And exercise doesn't mean that you have to go to the gym and work out for two hours every day. I mean, exercise means you have to move. You know, movement, any kind of movement every day is good movement and and is healthy for for the brain and the body. And um, after that, relaxation. And relaxation can be anything. It can be yoga. It can be meditation. It can be just sitting there you know, not doing anything. It can be, uh, being with other people, like-minded people that, that, uh, help you, you know, with your, um, you talk about different things about life and things like that. It could be going to, uh, religious, uh, you know, institution or, or anything like that. And, um, then therapy is extremely important. And finally, medication. So, you build the foundation on those things and then you add medications to that and then you feel like, okay, maybe now we can get somewhere. And so there's a lot of things that people have, you know, I, I recommend that the people do before we get to, to the medication part. Um, and so that's uh, basically what I do is, is I try to uh, help people get into a, a lifestyle that is healthy. And um, that will get them to where they uh, they they really need to go, where they want to go. And so um, that's what I uh, that's what I try to do. So
0: beautiful. So before you even get into the medication, uh, because as you stated that when we're looking at these six pillars of mental health: sleep, uh, movement, relaxation, uh, you know, food. Um, and, and then, you know, medication was that, that very last one. Let's start with sleep. Um, what do you, first of all, what are some of the, someone who has trouble falling asleep versus someone who wakes up in the middle of the night? Are, are there two different issues going on there? And can you talk to that? Speak to that? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, those are two different issues and they are actually treated differently. Um, so when you go to sleep, when you have trouble falling asleep, there's, there's different things going on. It could be because, um, uh, you're using substances that keep you up up at night. For example, caffeine, it could be other things, but let's say caffeine, um, it could be anxiety. It could be that you put your head on the pillow and then your mind starts spinning and all you can think of is what you did wrong during the day or what you said or what you should have said and you didn't say and that creates problems um and so that keeps you up and keeps you from falling asleep the other thing that may keep you up also is you know sleep has cycles and sleep is a very um uh methodical So you get used to sleeping at a certain time and waking up at a certain time. And if you don't do that, then you get used to not sleeping at a certain time and not waking up at a certain time. And that creates problems with falling asleep. And so your sleep cycles, you have melatonin that increases naturally in your body that puts you in a state of kind of sleepiness. And then you have to fall asleep. uh, You go to sleep at that time. Now, if you skip that, if you skip that high in melatonin and you don't go to sleep, then your next cycle is not going to start for another hour or hour and a half or however long it takes. So, so essentially what's happening is you are keeping yourself up because you're not going to sleep when your body is telling you it's time to go to sleep. When your melatonin naturally goes up, which is about nine o'clock, most people, and especially teenagers, you know, they're playing video games. So they're like, ah, I'm not, I'm not sleepy. So the next time they get sleepy is not till 1130, because that's the, the cycle. So you, if you, every time you skip a cycle and you skip sleeping or going to sleep, when your melatonin goes up, then you won't fall asleep until the next cycle. And then therefore you see people, you know, they say, I say, I go to bed at two in the morning. Well, yeah, because your first cycle was at 9, 9.30, something like that. And the psych- sleep cycle is about two and a half to three hours for most people. Now changes in different people, but that's typically what it's, what it's like. And so you don't go to sleep. And then the next time you, your, your sleep cycle starts, you skip that one too. And then you're now you're on the third sleep cycle, which is around two in the morning. And that, that makes it also hard to to fall asleep. Now, for people who go to sleep fine, and I have a lot of patients who tell me that, you know, I, I go to sleep fine, I just can't stay asleep. Uh, that's, uh, that's a sleep problem that's a, that's a sleep cycle issue. So when you cycle into sleep, we normally cycle out of sleep, but we don't go all the way out to where we're awake. Normally we go up and then we just go back down and we stay asleep. But for some people, there's a problem with, with this going back to sleep and they wake up and then they can't go back to sleep and they stay up and, and, and do all sorts of things. Of course, sleep apnea is a big issue, so that needs to be looked into. And then if you have, sometimes you have cats or dogs that jump on the bed and wake you up in the middle of the night and then you can't fall back to sleep. So those are things that, that need to be uh, addressed and, and looked into. Sometimes the room is too hot. And that wakes you up at night. And and so your bedroom needs to be, you know, between 64 and 68 degrees when you go to bed. And that helps you uh, sleep better. Clutter is a big problem. Um, If you're in a cluttered bedroom, if your bedroom is cluttered, your mind is cluttered. And so that makes it harder to fall asleep. If you watch TV before you go to sleep, you know, you hear that all the time. No electronics one hour before bedtime. And I, when I tell kids that, they all look at me like, I'm going to kill you, you know? Because <laughs> what do you mean no electronics one hour before bedtime? When you ask people, what do you, what's your sleep like? What's your sleep routine like? And, and what invariably what they end up saying is, you know, I watch TV and go to bed. Well, how do you turn your brain off? You know, when you go to sleep, when your body goes to sleep, your brain doesn't go to sleep. Your brain is still working and your brain is active. And, and it's processing all those images and all those sounds that you were listening to before you went to sleep. And so when your body goes to sleep, your mind is still active. And, and, then, and then it can be active to the point where no matter how much melatonin you take, you, you, you just secrete, your body releases it's not enough and it then you're up because your mind is up you know so so it's important to let the mind unwind and 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 declutter before you go to sleep and and you don't do that by you know watching movies or something you do it by either listening to soft music Uh, i have kids that tell me well can i listen to um you know like metal heavy metal would that is that good enough to put me No. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so soft music is, is the, the key. I, I tell people, look, you know, take an hour, write, you know, write down what you did during the day, uh, write down what you're going to do tomorrow, you know, put a schedule, uh, talk about, you know, how you felt during the day, color, draw, uh, listen to music. Or just sit there if you want to read read a book, you don 't have to read on your iPad, you can read a book it's It's fine, you know it's still acceptable so so those things that anything that would clear out the mind is is a good idea before you go to sleep and so um, the other thing I tell people don't don't eat late at night. you know that's important uh, eating diet is very important and and food you are what you eat, and if you don't eat healthy. Your brain and your your body are not going to be healthy. So you and, and it's not important. It's not also. It's not only what you eat. Uh, what you eat, but also when you eat. Okay. So it's important to not eat late at night because that's not going to help you get a good night's sleep. You can feel heavy. You, you know, your body is not going to be feeling good. And for for most people, you know, uh, dinner is the main meal of the day. And and if you Eat late dinner. That's not a good idea. So I recommend that dinner is should be the lightest meal of the day. That's that's my recommendation. I think that breakfast or lunch should be the main meal of the day, and dinner should be the the, the, if if possible. I guess of course, but you know. So that's that's uh, that's also important. uh, Not uh, having a heavy meal. Not drinking a lot at night. Also, too much alcohol is going to keep you up. So uh yes alcohol is going to you know you feel dose off it puts you to sleep but when the effects of alcohol wear off now you're going to have a withdrawal uh effect and then now your your heart rate is going to go up and you just your whole body is uh is full of adrenaline and then all of a sudden you're up in the middle of the night that's also as a result of alcohol so no alcohol at night is is a good idea um so the room has to be dark and uncluttered and, uh, and uh, cold. Uh, no uh, caffeinated beverages in the afternoon. Most people th- tell me, well, I don't drink coffee at night. It takes six hours for your caffeine to build up, to max out. You know? So, it, so with the cup of coffee that you drank at 2 o'clock continues to, re- to stay in your system and builds up. And it maxes out at six hours after you eat, you drink it. So, for people who struggle, who have insomnia, it's important to not drink any caffeinated beverages in the afternoon. So, so those are things that that help uh, with sleep. Um, I forgot what we were talking about. No, that you know, <laughs> we're, you know, we're
0: basically clicking through the the six pillars because you know, as you shared, as part of your practice, you're not just you know, I love that you're not one of those doctors that, you know, the, the client or patient comes in and, uh, you, you, you throw them some pills. You know, I, I've, I've had doctors like that, especially cause you talked about, I have sleep apnea. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I remember early on, there was some doctor I went to and, and it was like two, I mean, after like two minutes, he was like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, writing a, a prescription for me. And so, yeah. uh, and, and I think it's, it's, it's very helpful. I've learned so much about my health and my sleep uh, because I, I do have sleep apnea, and, uh, and just learning about how things like, you know, uh, cutting off TV before bed, which I, I still to this day struggle with. But in those moments where I have journaled before bed, did some yoga nidra, uh, played chess with my girlfriend or just went for a walk and, you know, didn't eat late. You know, eating late, that's, it's so interesting because I was talking to my mom who's from Belize and she was saying the same thing that you're saying, that they had a big breakfast, big lunch. Lunch was the biggest meal of the day. And then it had something light for dinner so that your body wasn't digesting it. So I don't know where this idea of the big dinner, that, that, that has to be from corporations and companies. Uh, but you know I kind of grew up with the idea that you should have a big dinner, but it's the opposite of what our body
1: needs. Right, exactly. You know I, I grew up uh, you know I grew up in Lebanon, and, and it's the same thing. You, you're, 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 you, have, you eat breakfast, you eat a good breakfast, you eat lunch, and, and usually you eat lunch about two o'clock, and then you eat a big lunch, and then you take a nap, and then you wake up, and then you go do things, and then you come back eat something light and then you you do whatever you do after that and you go to bed so so that's really uh you know that's how we uh you know we grew up and and that's how we uh, used to doing it until we uh uh came to 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 the states and you know things were uh you know here completely different i think you know i think it has a lot to do with people work all day you know this is this this is one of the countries that are the hardest working people in the world. No, I don't think anybody else works as hard as, as us. In, you know, no one works eight to seven or, you know, on a consistent basis, you know. But but here it seems like it's a normal thing to do. You know, my, my brother one time came from, uh, from uh, he lives in, in Quebec, and, and he had some work to do in, in Colorado. And he came down, he's a, a computer engineer, and so he's working on and he says man i would never think of of working as hard as you guys work here i mean it's, it's it's insane it's like you work all the time you'd have no time for yourselves you don't and that's you know and that's part of why all everything is so like you know everybody is up on edge and 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 not happy not happy you know not feeling fulfilled or not balanced you know I talk about balance and about equilibrium as a big problem for people who feel stressed out, you know, not necessarily depressed, but anxious. You know, there's something I don't there's something not right. And and I always try to find out, okay, so are your is your life balanced? Are you able to balance what's in your mind with what's in your heart? Are you able to balance who you are? With who you have to be, that's a big stressor for 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 people uh, to to kind of be mindful of and pay attention to and realize that you know what, sometimes I just have to be who I am and not who people want me to be, you know. I have to go with my own core beliefs and my own values, and it's fine if they're different from other people. That's the way it is. But that's what I feel comfortable with. That's what is makes me more of a balanced person that that's what makes me more of an even person uh where i have equilibrium between who i am and and what the demands are around me and so so anyway so this hard working uh mentality leads to well i'm busy during the day i don't have time to eat you know when i was when I was a kid, you know, we—I—I I, I know exactly what that's like because when I was in school, I played soccer, and we, you know, we would we would have, um, you know, lunch breaks and stuff. And I remember, I remember in middle school, we would go out on the on the soccer field, and I would have a sandwich in my hand, and I'm playing, I'm running around the field playing soccer and eating my sandwich. That was my lunch, you know, <laughs> and so so that's what what it feels like and so what what happens is at the end of the day is when you come home you relax and you're hungry so you eat that's your biggest meal of the day because that's when you're hungry and and that's when you have time to sit down and relax and eat so that i think is is part of the issue so it's it's not just just you have to change your meal and eat the dinner to be your lightest meal but you have to associate that also with with what kind of life you want to have what kind of um, balance you want to create for yourself in in terms of work and and personal life and family life and things like that to have to have every everything you know balanced that's just the the key to everything it's very important to be balanced in life so anyway so that's that's about sleep and diet diet you know like I said it's important to eat healthy foods it's important to eat foods in season okay. It's important to eat foods in season. We, we have so much in this country that we eat everything all the time. And that's really not, you know, the, the way the body works. The body works through seasons and, and it works. It feels best when you're feeding it what is in season because that goes with the weather. It goes with the elements. It goes with everything around it. And so eating in season is very important. Um, the kind of foods are important. The time of the day you eat. One thing I tell my patients is it's not, all, it's not just what you eat, but it's how you eat it. And it's when you eat it. Okay. So one thing, uh, I have a, a few rules, not rules, but recommendations uh, for, for eating, for example. So, so for example, I tell people never eat standing up. That's, that's a big no-no. And don't drink water with your food, with your meal. You don't need water when you're eating. So you can drink two cups. If you don't want to eat too much, you drink two cups of ice water before you you start your meal. And then you don't drink until two hours after your meal. Let your body digest. Let it take time to digest what you're eating. The other thing you want to do is if you eat with silverware, always eat with silverware, but put the silverware down between bites. One of the problems is people eat out and you are rushed to eating your lunch or dinner in 30 or 45 minutes at the most. I have timed uh, myself when I go out, when we go out as, as a family and, and, and um, um, I time it. I say, OK, well, how long is it going to take us from the time we go into the uh, into the restaurant until we walk out? one hour tops, tops. And that's with, you know, sitting around waiting and, you know, have, finding a seat. And then from the time you find a seat until the time they serve you, until the time you leave your seat, it's about 30 to 45 minutes. And that's how they, the restaurants want it to be. Well, you haven't had time to digest, you know? You haven't had time to have conversation. It's important to have conversations around the dinner table. You know, it's important to to connect with people. That's where your oxytocin comes in. You connect with people. You form these bonds. Your oxytocin level goes up. And then you feel like you belong. You know, you feel like you belong. And then you're not as lonely. And then you're not as... um, You're stronger in, in facing the world and facing problems and facing things like that. You know, some people say, you know, I don't want to take medicine because I want to do it myself. And I'm like, well, of course you're going to do it yourself. The medicine is not going to take you or they say, I don't want to take medicine because I want to solve my problems and the medicine is not going to take my problems away. I say, yeah, you're right. The medicine is not going to take your problems away. You have to be prepared to deal with the problems. You know, you cannot control whether the problems come at you, whether the what what goes on around you is not under your control. But you have control over what you do with what, what comes to you. And you have to be prepared. And what the medicine does on top of everything else is to prepare you to change your brain chemistry to where you are able to handle what's going on. So, so oxytocin is one of those things that you've will help you bond with other people and help you have the sense of, of, of community, you know? And, you know, speaking of oxytocin, um, there were studies, actually, I did, um, you know, I, I did come across some studies where um, they found that having a pet, like a dog or a cat or something, actually raises your oxytocin levels. From, from compared to people who have depression, who have a pet, compared to people who have depression, who don't have pets, the people who have depression and have a pet, their oxytocin levels are higher than, than those who don't have pets. And oxytocin with um, bonding, with suicide, with things like that, you know, it's important to have that, that oxytocin level because it was found to be low. In patients, in people who have uh, had depression and and committed suicide, or among others, you know, like your your serotonin, of course, is important, and things like that. But, but that bonding comes uh, will raise your your, and and it gives you this. Oxytocin gives you this warm feeling, this fuzzy feeling of of being in your mother's arms, so to speak. You know, you be feel protected, feeling. yeah, basically protected and, and warm, essentially. So, so those things help you deal with stressors better, and that's what you really want. You're not going to change the world or change how the problems that come at you. All you can do is change yourself to be better pre- prepared to handle what comes at you. So it's not all. The, well, people say, "Oh, you, you know." You, if, if life gives you lemon make make lemonade, well, yeah, uh, with what you know with what if if I don't have the tools to make lemonade i'm I'm not going to make lemonade it's all going to be lemon, so I need the tools to make lemonade and and these are the tools, those pillars that I mentioned are the tools to make lemonade when life becomes uh, stressful so so uh, you know, so that's as far as the as the food and, and and socialization, relaxation. We talked about that. There are a lot of studies that have shown more and more these days that have shown that uh, people who have religious beliefs, people who belong to religious foundations or spiritual foundations or things of that sort, are better off than not, and they are more protected. There's less suicide. In individuals who are uh, inclined religiously, um, than not. Uh, so also, uh, individuals who have who are married and have kids, they have better uh, outcomes. You know, they have less suicide rates than individuals who are single and, and or childless. So, so those are things. You know, those indicate what they indicate social interactions. They indicate socialization. They indicate equilibrium and balance. You know, when you take time out of your week, busy week, to to go to a a religious uh, um, institution and you take time to be with other people and, and, and pray or whatever you do towards a certain goal, then that helps you bond with people. That raises your oxytocin level. It helps you be part of a unit. And then all of a sudden, you're not alone. And and that that helps you be better prepared to fight what comes at you. And so is it, that's. Go
0: ahead. Uh, sorry, not to cut, uh, inter, but uh, to to interject really quickly: Is it also a part of not just showing up to church? Because you know I've gone to different uh, uh, spiritual um, churches and and religious places, and um, I realized that even though I've been attending. I haven't been engaging. And, right. and so it, 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 I think it, it kind of speaks to your point about, you know, when we sit down for lunch and, and we only get 35 minutes, it's like, yes, I'm sitting down at lunch with other people, but because, you know, we really didn't have the time to connect, I don't feel connected. I, I don't feel like I belong. I just kind of felt like I sat down and i could have basically i could have went to lunch by myself you know for as fast as yep. we ate and so it's it's mm-hmm. about not just attending these different events or being or you know being married or having kids it's about how do i engage with in my marriage with my kids in the church at lunch so that i feel like i belong and right. I, I think that's scary for a lot of people because uh it requires a level of vulnerability and trust.
1: Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You have to put yourself out there. You have to put yourself out there. You have to to be uh, willing to accept um, difference of opinions from other people. You have to be willing to accept uh, other people uh, maybe not liking what you have to say. And you have to accept um being wrong sometimes so there is vulnerability absolutely and and when you go to to church or any other worship place you 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 have to worship with all your senses you know when you sit down even to do yoga or meditation you do that with all your senses with all your mind with all your heart with all your uh vision with all your smell with all your taste with everything that is that is a sense uh, in you and so all your senses have to be engaged in in that kind of activity and that's how you connect yeah if you go and just you know if you use too much of your head when you go to these things it's not going to work because you're in your head too much you know you just have to let go You have to let go. You have to be, you know, that's fine. Just be who you are. Be vulnerable. It's okay. That's, again, you go back to the equilibrium. If we're always worried about how people are going to think about us or what they're going to say about us, we're never going to be happy because we're always chasing what other people want. We're always chasing what other people think. And you can't please everyone. You can't please everyone at all not not just all the time but at all you know so and what are you going to do at the end of the day you know at the end of the day you come home and you put your head on the pillow and it's only you and yourself that's it those people are not there no one is there so you know social media is not there uh facebook is not there whatever you know Those things are not there. They shouldn't be, at least. You know, of course, if you're a kid, Ah, that's a different story. But (laughs) but, But these things should not be there. At the end of the day, you go to bed alone. You go to bed with yourself and your mind, and you have to answer to yourself. When you review your day, you have to say, did I do what I am? That's how you feel better. That's how you're in equilibrium with yourself. Okay. So, so that's it. And then you, you see, you know, you were talking about being engaged for dinner and things like that. You know, I, I, am the first to admit it, you know, when my kids were younger, we would go out to, to dinner and then we we're, 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 I, you know, my wife would look at all of us and she's like, what are you guys doing? You know, what do you do? You're each on your phone, you know? Scrolling, and and looking at you know pictures or looking at whatever you know what's the game score or or what is uh, Twitter saying what's uh, blah 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 you know all these things, and so what we decided to do is you know we are you sit at the dinner table, and all you do all, all your phones are are like when we go out to dinner, the phones go on one side of the table on top of each other. No one touches their phone. End the story. That's it. We have to talk. We have to talk. You know, there's a high level of anxiety these days that I, th- that I see in, in, in a young generation of young adults who have not been socialized, like really socialized, like going out and talking to people and, inter- and interacting physically, not just, you know, over the, the ps three or four, whatever it is it was at the time, you know, not just over game, but physically going out and doing things together, you know, that's missing. So now now they, these, these teenagers or, or, or young adults that who were, uh, you know, in, in fifth, sixth and seventh grade or whatever, when they got their first game uh, and, and spent their lives behind these games, now you put them out in, 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 in society and now all of a sudden they have to talk to people, you know, and it's like, uh, what, what should I say? You know, I mean, I know what to say and I know how to socialize when I don't see the other person, but now I have to look at them and I have to look at their eyes and I have to look at read their body image. And that creates a lot of anxiety. That creates a lot of anxiety, you know? So, so those are things that, um, you know that that, uh, that that are important. It's important to put away social media when you're eating. It's important to put away social media when you're when you go out to dinner with your friends and, and or your family or your spouse or, or whoever. You know, just just be present, be in the moment, and be interactive with with the company that you're you're with, and that will improve your bond improve your uh, oxytocin, it improves other things as well. And that will help you again, you know, be able to, to withstand what society is, is is throwing at you or what the world is throwing at you these days and, and things like that. So, so those are important things to, to keep in mind. Now, one more thing I just wanna say is, you know, Okay, so we've got all of these things. And then there are people who tell me, you know, I've done all this stuff. I've done all this stuff. I'm still not, not happy. I'm still, you know, stressed out. I'm still, well, of course, you know, because when we talk about these things, we are not negating the, the, the fact that, that biology is important, and not only biology, but genetics, okay? It's very important to, to keep that in mind. You know, genetics has a lot to do with 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 a lot of things. If you have someone in your family who has history of depression, well, you're gonna be at a higher risk of having depression. If you have someone in your family who has a history of, especially close ones, of, of anxiety, you're it's it's you're gonna get anxiety most likely. You know, I mean, it's not uncommon, and that's a genetic trait. It's a biological condition, and and that leads me to another thing I need to, to, to mention that. I know we're being close to being done. Are we or not? We're good.
0: Uh, we have about 10 minutes, seven to 10.
1: Okay, so, so, so one thing I, I, I wanna say that's really important so is, is that all these things are biologically driven as well as socially driven, as well as, as, as uh, environmentally driven. So there is, there's different elements. And, and people who talk about just one thing, that's why I mentioned therapy. I mentioned all the other things. And I mentioned medications. I'm not anti-medications. In fact, I use medications whenever I can and whenever it's appropriate. But I don't like medications to be the foundation of everything because they're not. You know they, No one has one answer. It's, it's a constellation of, of different things that, that constitute uh, what a healthy lifestyle and, and how to treat people. So it's important to have that in mind. And it's important to uh, remember that there is a biology, there's a biological element involved as much as there's a social element, and environmental element. So the biological element is, 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 is genetics, and is chemistry and all that stuff and and that's why it's important to um, make sure that we don't make depression or anxiety or mental illness about a defect in personality you see because it's not just because you're depressed doesn't mean you're less than other people you know just because you're just because you're depressed doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you you know as a person and and people tell me well you know if you ask people with with depression to describe themselves they say i'm depressed or i'm anxious and i say no no you're not you are a person who has depression you are a person who has anxiety you are a person who has adhd but first and foremost you are a person don't let the depression or the anxiety define who you are. Don't let that guide you and, and make it to where that's all you do, you know, is, is, is uh, see yourself through this, this prism. Oh, I'm a depressed person. I've been depressed all my life. Well, okay, now depression has become part of you. And show me one person in the world who wants to get rid of, of a part of them, you know? No one wants to get rid of a part of you because now it's part of you. Why would I want to get rid of it? I don't, I don't know how I would be like without it. I don't know how would I live without depression. It scares me to live. Some people have told me that. It scares me to live without depression. Wait, wait, I'm getting better. This is a scary feeling. I'm getting better. So now all of a sudden I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know? like because if I'm thinking, okay, well, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good now. But that's not going to last because that's not me. Well, no, no, you are a person. And depression is a condition that you have. It's a medical condition. It's a biological condition. We need to get rid of the stigma. We need to get rid of the idea that I don't want to talk about my depression because I'm a tough guy. You know, tough guys don't talk about depression because they don't get depressed. That's baloney. That is total baloney. There's no such thing as tough guy. You know, every person in in the world has feelings. It's just that they, they, they repress them. They don't express their feelings. they just you know sub, sublimate their feelings or substitute their feelings into their, their, their emotions into two, either happiness or anger. Well, that doesn't leave you a whole lot, you know that doesn't leave you a whole lot. You really have to discover all these other other things so so and I think part of the reason why this has become the way it is, is because of, of the stigma that's associated with mental health and this idea that, that, that mental health, you know, means that you're a bad person, you know, because you have mental illness or mental issues, you're a bad person. And that's not true. That's not true at all. You wouldn't say that if you had asthma, you know? No one would say, oh, you're a bad person because you have asthma. No one would tell you, well, pull yourself up with your, up with your bootstraps and, and let's go, you know, if you had asthma and you were struggling and running a marathon. No one says that. They, they're all like, oh, my gosh, you know, no, you take your inhaler and all that stuff, right? So why would you say that about, about depression? Why would you say that about anxiety? Well, it's different. No, it's not different. It's a biological thing, just like anything else and that's what really we need to we're getting closer but we're you know i thought over time and i've been doing this for over 20 years and 20 years is not a long time in in their life but you would think that ever since this stigma issue came on that that by now people would start being even more accepting of mental illness and as as a as a biological physical problem and not a character problem and it's we're getting there we're getting it's better than it used to be but boy we still have a long way to go and 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 if i can get this message out then we can help more people who are behind the shadows who are hidden or hiding because they don't want to be Looked at as you know no 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 i'm not i'm I'm strong i'm strong i'm fine, I'm fine there's nothing wrong with me it's fine if you have a depression it's nothing wrong with having a depression i mean it's just it is what it is, you know it's like you have a cold, hello, what did you do anything wrong to have a cold? No, you just were walking by, and you got a virus well, big deal you know let's get let's get it treated and figure out what we want to do about. It. Depression is, is, you know, we need to get to a point where we think about depression as a biological illness. It's not a character flaw. It's not a personality issue. Uh, And we need to be talking about these things. And the more we talk about this, the more we destigmatize it, the more people will come forward at an early stage and not wait until they get to the point where, you know what? My life is not worth living. I feel like crap. I'd better be off dead. People around me would be better off without me. And why would I need to live? I'm, you know, I'm a burden on all these people. You know, that's a late stage. No one gets to that just overnight. I mean, that's just something that, unless something else happens, you know, with brain trauma or something like that. But typically that's brewing over years and years and years and and so that's why it's important to, to destigmatize all of mental illness and all of mental health issues because they can all lead at some point to depression and they can all lead at some point to anxiety. They can all lead at some point to eating disorders and things like that. And all of those things are risk factors for, um, for depression, suicide, you know all sorts of things. And so the more we do with destigmatizing the more the better we are going to be in terms of um decreasing rates of depression, decreasing rates of suicide, decreasing all of that stuff. And there's there are movements in that in that direction. It's not like, you know, something that nobody's ever talked about. There are movements. Now people are starting to realize that maybe what we should do in school, in, 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 in uh, high school or middle school is do a depression screening every year, you know? Because you're not gonna pick these things up just by waiting for the person to come to you. Thousands and thousands of kids kill themselves every year because they get missed. And the reason they get missed is because of the stigma And because no one is asking them, how do you feel today? Mm. And that that's that's a problem, that's a big problem. So now we're starting to like say, okay, you know what, we need to screen, because that's that's anonymous. We can look into that, and we can you know see maybe early signs, and let's let's address it. Let's let's do something about it. And and that's I think that's. uh, that's an important uh, message to put
0: out. There. I, I, I love it. You know, and, and what I love about everything that you shared, are these are very practical and applicable steps that, that people can take in their own lives in terms of improving their sleep. And it's not about, you know, I want to make it very clear. It's not about getting it all right overnight, right? Uh, the same way that depression right. builds up and is cumulative and, uh, suicidal ideations uh, are the same way. The same way that your approach to your mental health should be. Don't expect to uh, feel, um, you know, or, or, or even see big changes overnight or in weeks. It's something that might take years. I mean, especially if we're talking about sleep. And, you know, I know for myself, I have sleep apnea, and that took me months to figure out the right medication. I also have asthma. I had some I had an asthma medication that caused suicidal ideations and depression, and I was crying all the time. so even if you get to the medication phase, it could take a while before you and your doctor can figure out the right dosage and combination, especially if we're talking about a um, you know an adolescent or teen where the body and the brain is still growing and developing and the hormones and chemicals and all that and uh, the prefrontal cortex but but also movement. If you have injuries, it could take you months or years to get to figure out a, a movement that works for you. And, and food. If you're a kid, you're you're eating whatever your parents are buying. So you know, for for the most part, you know, you're you're gonna, there's might there's going to be some challenges there, or some financial issues that you know prevent access to to seasonal food. I mean, you know, I'm very blessed. I live in San Diego, and there's farmer markets, farmers markets uh, on the weekend. So I have have that easy access. But I'm also from Chicago where there are a number of food deserts, meaning that you have to drive miles to to find an orange or a banana even or anything like that. But but, but the beautiful part is is that these are things that first we become aware of and then we can slowly – Take actionable steps. Figure out what pillar you want to work with. Work on that. Slowly build your. I mean, they didn't build a, the pyramids overnight. And also, what I love about the you know the oxytocin, what we talked about is you know even if we were born with certain genetics and DNA, and our father's father's father had depression, um, just sitting and being with people, spending a little extra time, going to church. Sitting with ourselves, cutting off our electronics before bed—those are things that are within our control. Uh, Doctor Saliba, we could talk for hours. I'm definitely going to have you back on. I just—I scheduled us really tight in here today, and uh, so please let the people know where they can find you.
1: Well, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but I have a website called CedarHillPsychiatry.net. And uh, you can go on there and um, I publish articles uh, maybe once every couple of weeks or so whenever, you know, as time up, uh, allows. But uh, uh, yeah, you can really connect with me on from there, uh, from that website, cedarhillpsychiatry.net. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, available to help people. That's what I do. And. There's, a, there's like you said, there's many, many different things. Um, I'd love to uh, do one time about neurofeedback, for example. I have someone I work with who also neurofeedback, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but that's a, that's a great tool. We can talk about that. We can talk about ketamine, which I'm getting into these, you know, shortly, uh, which I've actually been into for the last couple of years, but I'm having my own thing now. So um, so all those things are, are uh, available, and uh, there's always hope. There's always hope.
0: All right, and then, so with that last question, I ask this of all my guests, is always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Dr. Saliba?
1: You know, um, there's a lot you can say. There's a lot you can say. Um. the only thing I would say is lean on me. That's all I would say. Just lean on me.
0: I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Saliba. Thank you so much listeners. Remember this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you calling the one eight hundred S U I C I D E or 1-800-273-TALKS or the other Uh, international suicide hotline prevention phone numbers. If you live in Lebanon, uh, Beirut, if you're in Pakistan, wherever you are in the world, China, Bogota, uh, there are international phone numbers listed uh, in each and every single one of the the shows. And also if, if you can't talk for whatever reason, you can chat. There are groups. And if you need some financial assistance, There are links to those also in the show notes. Um, Remember, you can always lean on us. Thank you all for the five-star reviews and and sharing it with your friends. Uh, Go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Dr. Saliba.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Leo, for this opportunity. Really appreciate it.